everyone, and welcome to the Doctors Are Running podcast, where we, a group of doctors of physical therapy, talk about the art and the science of the things that we're putting on our feet. Today, it is me and Dr. Salas who's going to go through a mailbag episode, which I find always really fun because it's kind of going through like clinical cases and we just have to reason our way through. So just so you know, we usually go through these beforehand, but some of these are going to be a little challenging and you're going to hear David and I have to reason through and talk you through. So hopefully you t- us taking a- you along this journey helps you learn because I promise you we're learning just as much. So David, how you doing? Doing well, man. Just, I mean, honestly, just getting back into rhythm after CIM. I mean, you know, I, I've been traveling almost every single weekend since the beginning of November, which has been wild. Between a good friend's wedding, you know, the holidays, CIM, our Boston trip, like... Yeah, which was a blast. Which yeah. was great. It was all really, yeah. really fun. But then I actually yeah. got sick, like, immediately following all of that, which was probably bound to happen. And then I got sick again. <laughs> so I, I, like, I had, like, one or two days of feeling better, and then I got hit again. So I'm just kind of getting back into the swing of things. Like I, I ran this last week. I think I got 45 miles in, which I was pretty happy with. Um, ran six of seven days, and hopefully I got 12 and a half in this morning. My day start on, or my, my week start on Sundays. So the start of a new week. I'm hoping I can kind of get the rhythm back this coming week. Uh, Dude, we should we should do an episode on what day of the week does your stuff start on. That's true. Yeah, is it Monday or Sunday? Yeah. Like I, 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 Monday, I don't know. I'm. I guess Monday's I'm old school. Been, I'm yeah. Sunday. Monday. Because that puts too much pressure on Saturday to get like a long run in. Although I just did my. No, long run just do your long anyway. run Sunday. You put twenty miles in at the front well, of the then, week, you're but fine. then you don't get the same long run benefit the previous <laughs> week. It's. It doesn't matter. You're gonna run That's, your long run when you run your long run. It doesn't. We'll, we'll do a full full podcast <laughs> on this at some point. Oh man, but I'm good. I'm All right, good. should we? Yeah. Good, good, good. Should we just jump into this? Let's do it. All right, let's just jump in. So our first uh, mail mailbag mail question here comes from Doug, which we really appreciate. It says, love the podcast, really appreciate the depth of conversation. I'm a 50-plus runner who is thankfully getting faster, around 315 marathoner. I'm a big believer in shoe rotation. Happily, your episode confirmed my approach. My question is regarding the long-run shoe options. I'm currently using a Saucony Triumph, but wondering if it is a better choice would something like the Saucony ride a bit snappier with the lower drop or even a speed three for the long run recovery days? I'm not looking to get faster on the long run, but rather wondering whether the super cushion shoe is hindering overall strength and resiliency development, or is it actually protecting me from damage on those days? Just for reference, the current rotation is Saucony Endorphin Elite for racing, Saucony Endorphin Speed 3 or Ride for tempos, and Triumph for easy r- runs and uh, apparently for long runs. So, David, I'll throw that at you because you have an extensive – you're the fastest of the group. So what do you think about the shoe rotation? And then really the question comes down to what about long-run shoe choice? Yeah, I honestly – I don't think it's really that bad of a choice. I think it would be more looking at what terrain you're running on and what your routes look like mainly because if I'm looking at this correctly, so you're – Tempo days are your Saucony Ride and Endorphin Speed 3. Yeah. And your easy days are your uh, Triumph. And then your race days are your Elite. Um, oh, man, that's a tough one. Like, looking at it from a mileage standpoint, I, I don't know how much you're running. But if if we're looking at it, let's just say you're running 50 miles a week. 
if all of your easy days are in the triumph and you're only in the ride for your workouts or your speed for your workouts, then it might be a little bit compliant if your long run is, I don't know, let's say 13 miles. Um, it's hard to say. Uh, but if you feel like it's a little bit soft and compliant and you're feeling like you need a little bit more ground fill, there's nothing wrong with putting that sock and ride on. I mean, that shoe still has, what, 35 millimeters of foam under you? It's not like it's that low to the ground. I've done 20-mile runs in that shoe just fine. Um, I, I would really just listen to your body on that one because neither are the wrong choice. It's more just a matter of how you're feeling. Like if you did all of your daily runs in the ride and you were like, oh, just for the long runs, I don't want to beat up my legs that much. I'm going to put the Triumph on. Nothing wrong with that. I do that all the time. Not necessarily the Triumph specifically. I have done that for the Triumph, but like that kind of category, right? Where you kind of have a little bit more of a resilient foam, a little bit more energy return, higher stack, a little bit more rockered. Like you just want to fall into rhythm and just get your mileage done. Like you can totally do that. But I will say with the Triumph specifically, like if I, I've done a 20 plus mile run and ended on like like trail kind of wood chippy soft things and I was not enjoying that experience. So like it really just depends on what you're running on and I think how what your body is craving. And if you know you're going to be on road, then it's really just a matter of what you want. If you know you're going to be on softer compliant things, we'll pick the thing that gives you a more grounded experience. So I, I, I'm sorry to give that gray answer for you, Doug, but like <laughs> it's really going to come down to what you, what, what you need, what you internally feel like you want and need. Neither are a bad choice in this situation. I would totally agree. I'm going to come at this from a little different thing is since it sounds like you're a marathoner because you gave us your marathon time, I think it would de- it's going to depend on your training, the where you are in your training cycle, where for me, when I'm just getting into stuff and I'm like right now, I'm just starting to hit after a lot, you know, a lot has happened this year between actually a year ago was when I broke my toe. So like you're right. It took me a while, it took me a while to get back. Got went through a lot of stuff with PhD, you know, had like a, a kid. Yeah, it's been a crazy year. So it took me a while to get back. And so I'm just now getting back to doing 13 to 15 mile long runs. And it's the first time I've done that in a while. But when I started out and I was just doing it, I did everything in in like Saucony Ride and and try like non-super-esque type shoes. Although the newest Triumph and Ride, they're both using Power and Plus. And the, the Triumph, they're both can move. So it's not like it's they're, the foams are getting a lot better. That's a different conversation. But you're talking about the Endorphin Speed 3 and the Power Run PB and going, hey, it's a super S shoe. You're worried that potentially if you use a shoe like that, is it actually protecting you from damage? Are you not getting as much adaptation? So there has been some research out there that suggests that you get better in the type of shoe you use. So I'd say early on in your training, I think using a Triumph or a, a, a ride is great. You're not, you probably aren't doing specific like speedy long runs in preparation for your marathon. But once you get closer to your, your kind of goal races, I would throw on the speed three because it's going to be a closer thing to the endorphin elite. And you always, as you get closer to your goal, want to start doing your like race type efforts in the shoe that you're going to like similar to the shoe you're going to be using. So in my mind, I think the speed through would be a great option as you get close to your marathon to yes, save your legs a little bit, but also to get you used to going, what does it feel like to be in a, this kind of super S shoe for these longer miles? Whereas early on, if you want that, 
strength and resiliency stuff, yeah, do the like less intense long runs in the Triumph and Ride. But as you get further along and you're going now doing much harder things, I want to be able to bounce back. I want to get free to the ready for days and I want to get ready to prepare my body for the type of shoe I'm going to use. I would say speed three later, but also it could be differences in terrain, differences in how you feel. So if you feel a little bit more beat up, and you're like, I'm not going to go as fast. Maybe a Triumph might be better because that's how it's designed. The Speed 3, the 3 in my mind did a little bit better at easier paces, but it is technically designed to be a little bit up-tempo as opposed to the Triumph. So it is going to depend on your body, but I'd see where where you are in your training cycle might make uh, be another factor to consider. I agree completely. And I think looking at it, I don't know why, like in my head, I was like deciphering between Ride yep. and Triumph. As you get closer to your races, by all means, put on that performance trainer and get used to running fast and get used to running your goal pace. Like, I, I agree wholeheartedly there. All right. So hopefully I answered that. So let's go to Bradford. This is a great stability question. And really the question comes down to how much stability do I need, which we've tried to answer before, but I think this this is a really great one. He says, still after listening and, and doing this stuff for years, I find myself at a loss as to how much stability I do actually need. So I'm hoping you guys can maybe provide a little more guidance for me uh, based on these facts. I've gotten back into running seriously for the past two and a half years. Since high school, I've always purchased stability shoes. Running store back then suggested it due to pronation, which isn't always the biggest factor for that unless you've had a history of pronation-related injuries but or it's comfortable. I've run in the Saucony Guides for the suggestion of a running store, but when the Tempest came out a year later, I wanted to try a faster shoe with some stability. Over the course of the month, I started experiencing pain in my inner left leg above my ankle. Please be aware that we're not here to diagnose you. Okay, that could be a lot of different things. PT showed I essentially have no arch in my left foot, slight arch in my right. Arch height isn't static. Arch height isn't necessarily relevant to your mechanics. Um, I went back to the guide 15s and also added a tread labs insole. For the past year, I've had no issue with that combo. Great. Awesome. So you found, if you haven't had any issues, that's great. That's working. I have never tried using the insole to Tempest. For all the stability reviews I read, it seems like posting is being phased out, which, yeah, it's disappearing. I know I might be outdated, but I have had success with that posting and feeling a little bit wary that there are less options. And now with the upcoming guide phasing out posting for a new stability system, I'm even more wary of what my next shoe move should be. So I'm going to clarify really quick that uh, we haven't tried it yet, but the new Omni 22, which is much lighter, it's like 10 ounces now, which is way better, actually still has that plastic post in there. So it's they're not totally gone. There are still shoes that have that. So if you're concerned about that, the Omni 22 might be another great option for you to look at. But yeah, that's a challenge. You know, shoes, the Omni 22... The Brooks Adrenaline, which doesn't look like it, but it still apparently has a post. What else still the um the, uh, the New Balance 860 still has a medial post. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's another great option that's been really solid. It's a little heavier than the other two. There um, is a Topo option out there. I'm ah, blanking that's on is right. it Ultra the, Fly? What is it? Yeah, I believe it's the Ultra Fly, yeah. Yeah, they, that the definitely is a post. That firmer to does the, have a lower medial to the ground. Post. Yeah, that's lower like yeah, that's a very yeah. posted option. Yeah, yeah. So I think one of the there are still shoes that have posts out. The if you like want to stick with Saucony, the Omni Twenty Two is still an option. It's much lighter and less clunky than it was in the past. I'm actually really excited to try it now as opposed to previous versions. But my my thing with this being is that just because it's still in the stability category doesn't mean it's the right kind of stability for you, and doesn't mean it's 
it's not going to it's going to be a smooth transition. Anytime you have a new shoe, you should take your time to transition into it. The Tempest is not the same as the previous guides, right? One of those has that plastic like arch cage, whatever they call it, post ish. The Tempest doesn't, right? It's got the sidewalls. It does stability very differently. And just because stability shoe doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work or doesn't mean you're going to adapt quickly. So if you're going to have something like that, my suggestion next time is, sure, try and install the Tempest. You never know. You know, I know we don't normally suggest that because we don't know how it's going to work. But if it works, great. But you should also not just jump into a shoe like that. You should take some time to go, hey, I'm going to do the majority of my runs in my guide. And then I'm going to do like one run to do a little bit faster in the Tempest and kind of ease my way into this and give me my body some time to adapt to it. Because that's kind of almost what it sounded like. Because again, we haven't evaluated you, but arch height by itself is not the best indicator. Static arch height isn't the best indicator of your function. I don't know what the PT did, so I'm not judging. And there is still stability in the Tempest, but how it's done is very different than previous guides. And so, you, yeah, it's normal, and a lot of people are really concerned that, hey, a lot of these shoes are going towards guidance methods, and it is going to feel different. So what you do need to do is don't just jump in. Ease your way into it if you are ready to evolve from a post because it's different. It's not worse. It's not better. It's different, and anything different you have to take time to ease into. Or you can stick with a couple options that – we mentioned David what do you think yeah I mean I agree with all that I, but I, I like you did with the last question I'll take this from a slightly different angle to go off of the question specifically of how much stability do I actually need oh yeah I forgot to answer that yeah <laughs> go, that's, go for it that is that's a tough Oops. one man like yeah. because so much of that is dependent on how you are I don't know where you are in a training cycle I don't know how you're feeling I don't know how you're sleeping I don't there's so many variables that go into this, but being someone that is in a lot of different pairs of shoes on a relatively daily basis, like I, there are certain shoes, if I'm tired, they're just not going to work for me. And if I'm fresh and I feel good, they're the greatest shoe on the planet, right? Like, and there's just certain things where it's like they're situation dependent. And so I think with the amount of stability that you actually need, that can be a, that that can be variably variable, <laughs> if that is a, a, a good way to say that. I don't know. But uh, like really taking a look at what you like, what are the things that you notice in a shoe, the small components, right? Like when I hear this, I'm picturing a post, right? So a firmer midfoot usually, usually has a little bit of a higher sidewall medially. You're putting an insole in there. You're, you, it sounds like you like to have a little bit of something or a little bit of pressure kind of riding up on that navicular. And so that whether or not that's controlling motion or not, the sensation of having it there or having that proprioceptive element seems to be valuable. And so I would look into shoes that give you that opportunity to feel that. And if you like having the insole in there, by all means, have the insole in there. You know, and by, by no means am I saying take the insole out. But by having that element in the midfoot is what I'm hearing is what you like. And so I think of shoes lately, at least. I mean, like what the Adrenaline GTS. Yes, it's a sidewall, but like you can it has that in there. I There's think also shoes, a, like per, the, per our conversations, the adrenaline still does have a medial post in the midfoot, even though you can't really see it. Yeah. And then I also yeah. think of something like the Nike structure too. Like even that's, though that's like a – it's technically a sidewall. Like it's not a post, 
But that thing rides up pretty high, and you can feel it. Does. It does, yeah. And if you, you can did, feel that, I just ran it that this morning. Yeah, and yeah. like I don't put insoles in my shoes personally, but if the insole does work and it fits, and you have that sidewall, like that could be an option as well. Yeah. So I would just listen to your body on that one. Like when I'm, what I'm hearing is that that's the sensation that you like, regardless of whatever biomechanical things that may or may not happen while it's on. Um, but I would just intuitively like listen to yourself essentially. Yeah. I would totally agree that, yeah, there's something going on that you, they like that medial pressure in the midfoot for sure, especially if they're putting the insole in there. And I would say don't get rid of the Tempest. I think having the guide or now the Omni is a good shoe to do a majority of your mileage in. But then if you want to do something a little bit faster, pick the Tempest up for one day, right? Don't just jump into it because we know, again, that having a shoe rotation at least two – Two is kind of the minimum, which it sounds like you have. It, being able to switch between them is a good idea because how much you, stability you need might vary. If you're more beat up one day, you might need more stability. If you're feeling really fresh and good, you might need a little bit less. So the answer does vary a little bit. But at the end of the day, comfort and figuring out how you feel is probably the biggest factor. So I think David's totally right. And there's some good shoes out there. But again, I would suggest if the guide worked for you, the newest Omni is a natural progression in that. And I wouldn't throw your Tempest out. I'd say, hey. Just try it for some shorter runs if you want to run a little faster, you know, but it doesn't sound like this is an everyday shoe for you at the moment. And it might be someday. You don't know, but things do change. All right. Tammy on Instagram asked, hey, Dior, Merry Christmas. Here's one for the mailbag. As someone with a wide foot and a flat arch, I struggle to find a neutral state or stable neutral shoe that hasn't gotten intrusive medial posts. Okay, we have the opposite question now that leaves an angry line across along my arch. Hoka's are not great for this, right? Because Hoka's generally have, I'm not sure if she's meaning a medial post or sidewalls because a lot of Hoka's definitely have the large sidewalls, which right. I works really well for me, not well for everyone. So do you have a recommendation, particularly for long distance, for shoes basically that have said uh, that have a lower either not a medial post or a lower sidewall, but still wider and going to accommodate someone that might need a little more stable shoe with lower arches? Also, I've read that people with flat arches benefit from a firmer shoe. What are your thoughts on this? David, what do you think? Yeah. So there's a couple different components to this question. I'll just start with the intrusive medial post and the angry line upon your arch. Whether or not that's a post or a sidewall, hard to say. Because when I hear that, specifically with Hoka, like they do have a pretty solid undercut there, like medially with the upper and the sidewall. Like I've gotten friction there myself, and I don't consider I myself to have wide feet by any means. We've all gotten that like medial the Hoka the Hoka blister, right? That yeah, was kind of the term I remember that people specifically used early the Clifton, on. like yeah. the Clifton Six. I remember very yeah. specifically that model where I was like, "This thing is rub." Like I like the shoe. But it is yeah. blistering the crap out of my midfoot every single yep. time I run in it. Um, it's gotten better since then. Don't don't take that as Clifton blasphemy. Um, but I take a look at that. I, I, really what I'm hearing is that we want a little bit more space in the midfoot. So yeah. when I hear that, I think of shoes like the Ultra Paradigm where you still have a lot of guidance. You have a good amount of sidewalls. Like it, it basically gives you that stability there or that kind of neutral stability that you're looking for without encroaching on that midfoot too much. I feel like that's a shoe that definitely checks those boxes. Another one that I think of without quite as dramatic sidewalls, because the paradigm technically is in their stability category. It is. And it does um, have a really large heel sidewall. And then the midfoot does taper mm -hmm. out a little bit. So that 
might still be an issue, but at least it's a little bit lower on the arch for sure. Yeah, another shoe, though, not technically in the stability category, but does run like a stable neutral and does kind of check those boxes is the Topo Atmos. So the Topo Atmos, pretty good volume, pretty good width. I mean, if I just hold that thing up, you can kind of see that there's like some space there. You yeah. know, like it's got a pretty accommodating fit, but it still locks down really well. And so that's one where you can still get that kind of rocket ride. You get that experience where it's like Hoka-esque, I guess you could say, if you like that kind of a ride, but you, the, but the fit doesn't agree with you. Um, it's basically got that, and it's got sidewalls. You can kind of see it riding up there on both sides there laterally. And I would argue that it, it looks like it doesn't have sidewalls, and that actually might be what Tammy's looking for. So I think yeah, totally well, laterally right. it does. Yeah. Laterally it got does, it. Okay. but medially it actually doesn't. Got and it. so there is kind of that cinch point, but you've got quite a bit of space between that and that cinch point. So, and then you've got a wide base. It kind of ch- like it just checks those boxes. I feel like that's a solid option there. I definitely um, agree with Topo Atmos. I really want to try that shoe. Like that looks. I've actually suggested it to several people, and I haven't even. It's to nice, try it yet. man, Russ. Yeah, if it looks you're like listening a great to shoe. this. Come on, man. Yeah, come on. My my suggestion to this, I would throw the the Brooks Ghost Max in there because this shoe is almost sounding exactly like this, where it actually doesn't really have much in the way of sidewalls, but it's got a really wide, la- especially the midfoot is fairly wide. And that's kind of how this shoe was designed. This is building off the Dyad, which is normally a shoe I would, it, it was literally designed, the Brooks Dyad was designed for people with lower arches. I had a pair of Dyads. I, did, I never reviewed it because... Sorry, Brooks. This shoe was so uncomfortable to run in. I couldn't get 20 miles on it. I, I did a, I did a video review and I'm like, I literally can't do this. It is so uncomfortable. I don't know how people run in these, to be honest. But so the, the Ghost Max was this, this out. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Poor Brooks. I'm talking crap. Um, the Ghost Max, though, is, is the successor to that, is a massive improvement where it's twofold, where those people that have a lower arch and they want something that's a little bit more stable, but it's not a stability shoe with something jamming into your arch, the Ghost Max is probably one of my go-tos for that just because of the way it's set up where it's set up to still be a stable neutral but without some of those things that can be irritated like can call like sidewalls some posts can sometimes cause those issues the other nice thing about that is it's designed for orthotics so if you need an orthotic in there or something that has a lower arch that's a little bit firmer that might be fine but the last part of that question uh, i think there's so some good options atmos the bricks ghost maybe the the paradigm um, the last question is, do people with flat arches benefit from a firmer shoe? And there hasn't really been any evidence on that just because you have to realize that f- arches haven't really been suggested to play a major part in footwear biomechanics and like like predictive things with injury, right? So from a comfort perspective, that's going to be dependent on you as an individual, not your arch height. It's like, do you like firmer shoes or not? Are firmer shoes typically a little more stable? Yeah, but that depends on if you like it. If you don't like firmer shoes, it's going to feel really uncomfortable and you're not going to wear a shoe. And so from the run cap, the comfort assessment thing, you're going to be like, this sucks. So from a stability standpoint, can that help? Yes, a super soft shoe is inherently less stable. That's just how it goes. But that doesn't mean you need a rock hard shoe. And that's, I think the Ghost Max in my mind, and I don't know what the Atmos feels like. What's the midsole like? You know, it's, kind of what you'd picture i mean it's just the foam so it's not like 
Is it like that kind of like slightly firmer topo yeah, feel? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's kind of slightly firmer, but there's a lot of it, so it kind of is softer yeah. than the other things they have. So it, yeah. yeah, it's like a structured yeah. cushioning, I guess you could say. Yeah, so the Atmos might be yeah. a really great option. The Ghost Max is a little bit softer, but again, that's it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's still fairly well, it's still fairly stable neutral. So I think it just depends on your body. But yeah, a little firmness isn't isn't a bad thing, but you also don't want so rigid that it's uncomfortable. It's got to be comfortable for you. So kind of, but there's some other factors that are going to be more important. And firmness isn't necessarily the biggest factor you want to look at with arch height. I'd be more concerned about what's the insole, what's the like inner part of the shoe like? Is it hitting your foot the wrong way? It's probably a bigger concern to me, but all right. So Jay's emailing. He says, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Jay. He says, so when I find a shoe I like, I will stock up. I used to do this too. Uh, the last shoe I fell into this category was the Triumph 19 from Saucony. This was my long run cruiser and slow paced shoe. I burnt through now three pairs and, on my, and I'm on my fourth pair. I get around 500 miles before retiring these shoes from running, which the Triumph is super durable, that thing by is the way. I've really got durable. 100 miles well, on 19, every single too, pair. That 19 yeah. is, was it like that a thing lasted rubber for, or something? Like, oh, yeah, that's Eli right. Yeah, that thing lasted forever. in that thing. Yeah. 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 So I tried on the Triumph 20. It was not sold because of the 10 millimeter drop. I think because it went from 8 in the 19 to 10. Uh, so my question is, what is the natural transition from this shoe, the Ride 17 or the Triumph 21? I guess on follow-up, which included in your review of uh, – okay. If this helps, I'm 55-year-old male, 180 pounds. I run in the Triumph 19, Nova Blast 3, but not for long runs. I can't get past six miles in them. Uh, they bowed them out on me and my forefoot hurts. I have concerns about stack heights in places I get older, and I have experimented with the so- – the, not the Saucony, the Adidas Bostons. So I'm going to throw this at you. What do you think? Is the Ride 17 or the Triumph 21 the natural successor to the Triumph 19? Oh, that's so hard, man. I think if I was choosing between the two, I would say the Ride 17 is a closer successor than the Triumph 21. That Power Run Plus that's in the Triumph 21, it's a little bit softer. I don't know if they changed the durometer on it or if there's just more of it. Um, I know they started using some biologic components as well, right? I think on that one specifically. Or was that just the run for good one or the run? I don't know. That's a, I should know that. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But either way, like the experience that you got in the Triumph 19, I remember that shoe because I remember I liked it, but it was so heavy. Like I just remember like this kind of like, I don't like the feeling that I got from that Power Run Plus is probably yeah. – in stack height and in feeling, it's probably closer yeah. to the Ride 17. Right. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. I, same thing. Just because you have Power on Plus, as a reminder, just because it's called something does not mean the foam is the same. Like, for example, the Ride 17 and the Triumph 21, even though they technically both have Power on Plus, the foam does not feel the same underfoot. The Ride 17 definitely feels firmer. The Triumph 21 feels softer. That's it. Yeah. And so when I, I think you're also yeah, coverage yeah. too. Well, let me see. I got my Ride 17s right here. See, I told you moving the camera closer to the wall would come in handy. I, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we talked about that before this episode. But we got Ride 17s right here. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, it honestly kind of looks like the Triumph. Like 19, yeah. if you just look just at it. Just a lot it, lighter, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely lighter, but you do have that kind of grippy outsole. It's pretty yeah. thick. Like, it's noticeable, you know, where I feel like in the Triumph 16, I'm going to Triumph 16, my bad, Ride 16, it wasn't quite as noticeable from an outsole perspective. Yeah. And I felt like yeah. in the Triumph 19, 
that outsole was very noticeable. That was a very like thick, very grippy outsole. And then the Power Run Plus was kind of on the firmer side, but it did have some compliance and balance to it. So it's not a direct successor. I'm not going to go out and say that, but I would say yeah. out of the two options there, this is definitely closer. I mean, even if you just pulled up an online image and I just hold it statically here, like this looks pretty Triumph 19-esque. Yep. I would totally agree in terms of it also has an 8mm drop, not the 10. The Power Run Plus in the ride is a, l- a little bit firmer. And then honestly fits somewhat similar from what I'm remembering. And definitely yeah, durability the outsole. Like lockdown is, a little bit more narrow. Yeah. yeah. Grippiness of the outsole is definitely somewhat similar. So I would say of the two, the Ride 17, I'm totally with David on that one. So totally get it. All right. Let's see. Uh, oh, this was a great question. So Chung emailed and he says, I'm hoping for suggestion for you for a new running for new running shoes. I'm flat footed and have a wider forefoot and bunion in my right big toe. I am looking for some bouncier, more cushioned, but lightweight, comfortable shoes for half or marathon racing and training. I have never tried carbon plated shoes due to my low arch. I did my half marathon in the cloud monster. I did two hours and three minutes, and I'm hoping to improve on that. Maybe run a full marathon in December, 2024. So you have lots of time. This is good. You're planning this out. Can you please give me some suggestions so I can go try some new shoes? Thank you. So we got wider forefoot bunion looking at longer distance shoes. Um, Sounds like previous use on the Cloud Monster. Concerns about carbon-plated shoes, although I will clarify, just because you have a low arch doesn't mean a carbon-plated shoe isn't going to work for you. Um, it You just need to – I'm more concerned about carbon-plated shoes and speed, right? So I don't think a carbon-plated shoe may be the best option right now as you're getting a little bit faster. Maybe as you get more aggressive later on might be. But right now I have some ideas, but I'm going to throw this to David first. As always, because we joked about this, what we're probably about ready to say beforehand. But David, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, when we take a look at the anatomy of this, so relatively flat foot. So, I mean, we're assuming a pronated position. We're kind of collapsed a little bit there. And again, what you see statically. Not necessarily pronated, just maybe flatter arch, yeah, which is also, yeah. that, that might be their neutral. Yeah. Um, and then the wider forefoot, the bunion, so... Whether or not I don't know what your great toe mobility looks like, but right, no um, idea. Yeah, what I'm seeing here is you would probably like a little bit more space up front. Yep. And if you're running two hours and three minutes, chances are this is probably more in the recreational category. Not to take anything away from your performances or anything, it sounds like this is you know. Like, you don't necessarily need a vapor fly on your foot or something like that. Like, you can definitely get by with with a, another type of shoe. Um, I think of a shoe that has a little bit of a wider toe bed there, like, a little bit lighter, a little bit more responsive, but it doesn't sacrifice a lot of the things that can kind of go into giving you something a little bit more supportive or kind of having a little bit of guidance, something like the Cloud Monster there. But I'm thinking something like the Topo Spectre. Could be a yeah, good option there. Yeah, we talked about this beforehand. Yeah, like and it's, you it's really that. nice because you ha- you do kind of have some of the elements. It's got a Peebo foam core, yep. so you got something that's a little bit faster, but it's also something that has a lower arch. It's kind of that like borderline stable esque, and then it's got that really nice four foot wider forefoot. That's not like you're sliding around in it. It's just like Topo does just right with this stuff. So especially the bunion and the wider forefoot, I think the Spectre is a great option, especially if you're looking for racing and training because that shoe can do both those really, really, really well. 
That was a good. I think it's good. And what's really exciting, and and because Topol hasn't sent us these, and we're not on any embargo, and they we we didn't see, we weren't at TRE, but we doesn't mean we don't look at all the videos like all of you do. The Spectre Two is full length, complete Piba in the midsole and drops to like seven point nine ounces now. So Topa's definitely doing some cool stuff. They we we give them a lot of love, even though I don't know how much love they give back. But uh, definitely a go-to for a lot of the orthopedic issues that I deal with in terms of getting that wider forefoot, but not being extreme in any way. But I think the Spectre is a great suggestion. Do you yeah. have any other suggestions? I have mm-hmm. one other one off the top of my head, at least that's behind me, that I can grab. Um, the other one, depending on how you are in the midfoot. Now, I don't know how you feel having a little bit more of a narrow midfoot in there, but this does have a little bit of a wider toe box and a wider forefoot is the Boston 12. Ooh, yeah. That's a, so, hmm. again, it's a performance trainer, lightweight, responsive. It has a good chunk of Light Strike Pro in there, but it does a lot with the Light Strike 2.0 foam. It has a good lockdown, good traction outsole, relatively wider base, and it does have a stiffening agent in there, but it's not carbon. Yeah. So it yeah. does have a little bit of flexibility to it. So just another option to think about there. And it's pretty durable and affordable and you could do some training miles in it and yeah i mean both those shoes are actually pretty solid as far as that goes i think that's a great that great idea just be a little cautious with that one just because the newest version i think a lot of people are going to be fine for me the lateral extension at the midfoot might shove him more over the big toe and because we don't know why he's getting that bunion that may put a little bit more stress there it also might not right so i think the boston some of these like partial super shoes if you're wanting to race and train is a great option. I don't, I think David was totally right. You don't need a super shoe for this, but some of these like partial ones, where you got a little bit of the extra foam, maybe a stiffening agent if you want it, might not be a bad idea. So I think those are some really, really good options off the top of our head that have that wider forefoot for sure. Another possible one, if you can handle the, and you don't, and you're wary of carbon plated shoes, um, the, and if you, you can handle lower drop, the ultra vanish tempo is another option that might work really, really well. I reviewed that cause I bought it myself. This is before we were talking with, we connected with ultra, but it was a really nice shoe that did have some bounce to it. And again, that wider forefoot, the only reason I would suggest the specter over the vanish is the vanish almost felt like it fit a half size short and it almost felt tapered cause the volume was a little lower. So honestly, I think the Spectre is a better option, but it's just an alternative if you want a little bit quicker and a little lighter shoe. All right. Sean sends us a message about tempo question. So, hey, I'm a former collegiate pole vaulter. Awesome. Who's been getting more into distance running the past couple of years. One of my old teammates started me in a pair of Arahi 5s from Hoka that have worked well for me. I now use the Arahi 6 for some tempo and interval work in the 530 pace, which that's impressive, and the Keanu 30, which seems to work well for me. I did have some posterior tibialis pain or other inner ankle tendon pain for a couple months and do pronate when running. So history of pronation related stuff. Okay. So that this person might benefit from stability shoes. Okay. Based on the evidence since that bout with inner ankle pain, I've had some Achilles tendonitis due to military training, but I will be building mileage since and be using heavy slow resistance training. Awesome to strengthen it long story. But would you have any recommendations for me to try a more up tempo shoe or five K 10 K ratio? I've considered the Hyperion GTS, but it would be nice to try a super foam or some other type of tempo speed shoe. Thank you, Brooks. I love the Hyperion GTS, but please, for the love of all that's holy, put like a true super foam in there. That 
Sorry. I love you, Brooks. I'm sorry. Okay. Just come on. Um, and I would benefit from trying a more stable – What? and I would benefit from trying a more stable neutral shoe in my rotation for temple work question. All through college, I was fine with the Pegasus and track spice, but obviously I wasn't doing much distance running. Thank you. I know. Sorry, Brooks. I'm, I love the Hyperion GTS. I have almost 100 miles on my pair, but it's not a super shoe. You got to be fast to use it. I'm sorry. Poor Brooks. Poor David's cracking up. So I'll answer since David is incapacitated at the moment. I think there are some really good options out there. I know um, a possible thing for going a little quicker, although the Arahi has been a great shoe because it's definitely a solid stability shoe, but it's also definitely on the lighter end and it can move. Another option, if you want to try a super foam, is the Saucony Tempest. That was the first shoe that came to mind. And at the moment, although there's actually some shoes coming out that are going to change that, uh, in the next year, the Saucony Tempest is only current stability shoe that I can think of that uses a quote unquote super foam in it. It definitely can move a little quicker. It's it's going to be far more similar to the Keanu 30 and Arahi 6 than the Hyperion GTS is. So you're not, the transition might not be as great, but I think that is going to be a really great option. I don't know if it's necessarily a 5K, 10K shoe. I'm sure you could use it as that, but definitely as a tempo shoe, it would certainly work for that. Uh, there is a shoe I actually might suggest that we might talk about a little later if you want a 5-10K shoe that is a little bit more stable. But, David, do you have any thoughts after cracking up because I'm making fun of poor Brooks for needing a super foam? No, I mean, honestly, when I yeah. look at this, I mean, if you're doing a Rahi 6 and Kiana 30 for your interval and your tempo work, I mean, literally anything on the planet is probably going to be lighter than that from a performance standpoint. So I don't know if you necessarily need to have anything like super light specific i saw you just grab the rocket x2 there that was one of the ones that i was thinking about where there's a yep. little bit more inherent stability there um yep. i've actually got it right here on my left as well so yep. um you've got some good sidewalls you've got a wide base you've got a good midline groove you've got good traction and it's a pretty versatile option obviously their their athletes are racing in it from everything from road 5k up to marathon um, even with the CLO road out, I think most of them are still opting for the Rocket X2. They, they are. Yeah. So I, I would totally agree with that, that this is to me one of the, the mo more stable of the super shoes and super foam shoes out there. It is obviously lighter than the Tempest. The sidewalls, like you said, are what really make it really stable. Wider base overall midfoot that doesn't narrow too much. In my mind, because the sidewalls are so aggressive, that to me makes it probably the most stable option. If you want to do something for like 5K, 10K race, and I have raced in this for 5K, 10K, and to be honest with you, I like this yellow road, but I would choose this for 5K, 10K over it just because of how stable it is and also because... The three millimeter drop in the sealer road is just a little bit tough for, for me, even though this feels low drop. So I think Tempest might be an option if you want a little tempo stuff. But if you want something a little more 5K, 10K, the the uh, Rocket X2 actually might be a really solid option because it does guidance really, really well. But um, there are some potential options coming out there. Uh, some interesting stuff that, yeah, I'm hoping – I don't know. I, I can't. I don't know how much to say because how much we can say, but I'm really hoping that somebody comes out with a little faster stability stuff. That would be nice because we're those of us that kind of like that, or we're yeah, kind of left uh, in the dust, got left out yeah. a little bit. But that's okay. All right. So Corey says, "Happy New Year." This was a fun question. So what? I'm going to just throw this at David. What shoes do you all recommend for someone with a plantar flexed first ray? 
And for since I'm the anatomy professor, I'm going to explain this really quick. So for those who can't see on or listening to this, a plantar flex first ray basically means the long bone of your first toe is going to sit lower compared to the rest of your foot. So if you're putting your foot in, an, in a neutral position, technically your forefoot and your midfoot are actually going to sit in a slightly inverted position because that that first ray, the whole length of the first toe and the and the metatarsal and the long bone there is going to sit lower. That's what a plantar flex first ray is. So if your goal is to get you in a little bit more neutral position, David, what do you think might work? And then I'm going to do a slightly off the wall suggestion. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because usually like if someone has great toe stiffness, they have trouble getting their extension. Like a lot of times they'll recommend something with the toe spring or a rocker profile. This is the opposite here. I mean, if this is truly a plantar flex ray and you have a contracture is what I'm assuming and what I'm picturing, like that thing is 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 down there. You know, it's not going to come yeah. up. The last thing we want to do is force it into hyperextension where you're going to just like get, you're just going to be uncomfortable. I mean, that's just going to like t- like tighten up everything under your foot, your calves. I mean, it's basically going to activate the windlass mechanism. But what was yeah, that? And to clarify for this, so because a lot of people aren't knowing, plantar flex first ray the first toe is down if you dorsiflex your first toe it actually further accentuates this so you don't want to shoe a toe spring because that's going to push you down even more that's what happens when you dorsiflex the first toe it that pulls that thing down it tightens everything up so that's what david is talking about but yeah, yeah if we're right. talking like a night splint or something it's different but if yeah. it's like yeah you know <laughs> yeah. what yeah this is not like you want dynamic this. loading yeah. on your foot like over right. and over and over yeah. again it's not gonna like that yeah so that basically takes a lot of your plated rocker shoes out of the equation, right? And you almost want you almost want the opposite. Like when you think about those shoes, they're rigid, they kind of get you up into a little bit of extension. You're basically constantly rolling forward. If that ray is truly plantar flex and it's contracted, you're going to want something a little bit more with a neutral profile, something that lets you have a little bit more play in your midfoot because you're going to need that. Right. If anything, something that helps you collapse through the exactly. first toe on the med- the medial forefoot needs to collapse. Like it's the exact opposite of the Puma Forever Run, which actually like will will is has like almost set like a elevate. It does. It has an elevated medial side. So this is the, you want the exact opposite of the Puma Forever. Mm-hmm. Run. Yeah. So when I think about shoes that can help with that, I think of a couple things. I think of the Topo Cyclone too. So you have a little bit of a softer base. I mean, it's lower to the ground, so it doesn't feel super soft, but it has a soft-esque feel with the P-backs. It's full-length P-backs. There's no plate. It's a relatively neutral feel, and it kind of lets your foot do whatever you want. And so flatter geometry, I mean, yes, there is some toe spring. Yes, there is some heel bevel, but we're not... This thing is it's not fairly flexible. It's, it's a fairly pretty, flexible a yeah. mile. Like barely, your toes are going to be in a more neutral position for yeah. sure. And I don't have one on me, but I also picture shoes like the Saucony Convara. I picture shoes like the Hyperion uh, from Brooks, just the regular Hyperion, not the Max, just not the, the Max. One. Yeah, okay. like the the one yeah. that's low to the ground, the white on yeah. orange looking one. Yeah. I mean, I have a GTS yeah. one right here. So basically the non-stability version of this, I mean, I guess you probably could have the stability version of this. That's not the end of the world if you did, but I would probably choose the neutral version. Uh, honestly, those are probably the main ones that come to mind. Uh, another, sh- another shoe that I thought about just because it's so soft, honestly, is maybe even the New Balance, the 1080, the newest, uh, gosh, what version is this? The newest 1080 that's super, 1080 super soft. 
Ooh, what remember? are they on for the 1080? Nine? Oh, gosh, 10? this is embarrassing. The latest 1080 that's super <laughs> soft as a training shoe might also work just because there's no sidewall on that medial side. And the foam is so soft, you are definitely going to be able to clean. This is a shoe that I like, but it's I can't run in it very long because it's so soft and not stable. That might actually be a shoe that's that's going to be compliant enough that that first toe might actually be able to sink in there and be a little bit better. So my other suggestion is you might not even need a new shoe. The, the thing that I generally suggest for this with people is taking an insole, taking the insole out and actually cutting out the medial section just so, and you're going to need a couple insoles to do this just to get used to this, but cutting it out, the cutting the medial side out of the, of the forefoot so your first toe can actually sit a little bit lower relative to the rest of the foot. That's commonly the, what they'll do is you'll get an orthotic where the medial side is a little bit lower just so it can accommodate that so your foot's in a little bit more neutral position. A soft shoe can accommodate like the, that, like the 1080, or you can just learn how to cut that inner part of the insole out so your foot sits in that position. You do have to be careful with that because sometimes like the strobe board and the inner part of the shoe can have some stitching that can be a little bit irritating, so you are going to need socks. But that is a very simple option going, I like this shoe. I'm just going to cut the medial side of the insole out. But the 1080 would also be something I would suggest because it is going to allow you to collapse in there because you do need to you need to be able to collapse. The shoe needs to collapse with the medial forefoot. But yeah, it was fun. All right. So, ooh, trail one. So this next one, David's just going to choose tra- whatever trail shoe that uh, – or whatever road shoe for the – I'm just kidding. Um so this is Dina says, I'm hoping you guys can give me a shoe recommendation, but listen to your podcast and I'm learning that there are so many factors to consider beside what feels good for my feet, but feels good for your feet. It's also pretty important. I'm 59 years old, female, 5'9", 135, looking for a trail shoe. My current shoe is the Brooks Cascadia and it has served me well. I'm currently rehabbing from Achilles tendinopathy. Please listen to my episode uh, from doing too much too quickly and tight calves. Yep. That's classic. And I'm looking for new shoes for the spring when I can get outside again. I live in Montana. I mostly run on old Jeep roads slash fire roads. Nothing too technical. I was thinking either the Hoka challenger seven for some added cushioning and the forefoot rocker, but would also have some lift would like to have some lift for the five millimeter drop or something like the La Sportiva Jackal 2. Not much of a rocker, if that's important, but it has a little bit higher heel. I'd love to hear your thoughts and any suggestions, comments would most be valued. Thank you all for what you do. And they're currently running in the Cascadia? Yeah, I'm hearing higher heel drop shoe to unlock at and hopefully something a little bit more rockered. Maybe. Maybe. Why am I blanking on the – what's the the Kraft? um, CTM Ultra? Yeah, that was the first shoe that came to my mind. That's a solid one. Yeah, I like yeah, it's, that. It's I rocker, like rocker, ten millimeter drop, so it works very, very well. And the outsole isn't the most technical. It's a good road trail option, but the outsole traction does absolutely fine for the fire road stuff that that Dina was talking about. That was the first shoe that came to my mind. And you're going to find a bunch on sale right now because I don't. Is there a three? The uh, which one? Uh, CTM is there a Ultra two? I don't think 3? so. No, I don't think there's a three. If there is, then if anybody from Kraft is listening, we would love to try it because there we were big is. fans of they the just, two. Yeah, they it's just out? never sent it to us. Yeah, oh, there's man. a CTM Ultra three. Oh man, that's that's awkward. Tough. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did love the two. Said, that was a nice. That was shoe. a great shoe. That, like, I really liked that so shoe too. Honorable yeah. mentions, like yeah, it really it's a did. Shame that it was good. Win like a number one award, but yeah. So there is a three. I so I would I would definitely suggest that one, David. Are there any other ones that you would? Yeah, suggest? I mean, he, it might be the PT he's just gonna brain. Pick a road in me. Shoe. No, I it, I read this and like what I hear is like it's not the shoe. <laughs> it's like 
<laughs> from doing too much too quickly, tight calves, like looking for a new shoe to spring when I can run outside again. Like if the Cascadia has been serving you well for a while, maybe it's not the Cascadia. <laughs> Which the new one looks really cool this year. Yeah, I think they like, did a really, yeah. But to be fair, like if I was to look at something that wasn't a Brooks Cascadia, just for the yeah. sake of this question, I think yeah. the CTM Ultra is a great option. Um, another one that I was thinking, hydro- well, actually not really that high of a drop. I think I don't think the Challenger is a bad option either, but I think something like the yeah. Stinson would be solid. Like yeah, wide Stinson's base, a great solid rocker. Yeah. Like, but it's not so dramatic to the point where yeah. you're like forced to roll. Like, you can still use your mechanics there. Yeah, but the rocker is intense enough that it really, really like you don't notice a five millimeter drop at all. Right. So, so yeah. I think that's and a it's also good similar option. rate to some of the some of the original Cascadia. So that shouldn't be too big of a transition. Right. If you're already running in the Cascadia, especially one of those models that you listed, that's already a pretty heavy shoe. Um, shoot. Why am Why am I drawing a blank? I literally had an answer to this earlier. Uh, I'm sticking with the CTM Ultra. But no, I, I that, like that. Or, or, I the, like or that this, just the normal I the like the Craft CTM. Um. Even like a sock in the Exodus Ultra could be good. Could um, be. It's a little lower drop. So a little might, bit. It's what, four yeah. millimeter? But that's rockered well. I think. Six? Yeah. Okay. That's a little bit better. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, honestly, rehab the Achilles first. I think yeah. if it's already served you well like, and you like the shoe, I don't really see a reason to stray from it. Right. Like That's fair. I don't know. Like I feel like that's the that's just the clinician side of me talking. Right. I mean, yes, we're treat shooters, the pathology. But... Treat the pathology. If the Cascadia is working for you, great. Challenger's a great shoe. The CTM Ultra is a great shoe. But honestly, make sure you treat the thing first. And uh, the shakeout. And if you're not tomorrow, running in anything yeah. too technical, I mean, what about like a peg trail? I was actually I was thinking the same. Pegasus yeah, trail is actually got, a great option. That's a really a good, good amount option. of yeah outsole traction or even like a ride trail. What is it? The ride fifteen tr or ride sixteen yeah. tr? Yeah, like, I forgot which number on there. On yeah, that would also be really good. Yeah, those yeah, are great. Yeah, I think a sixteen tr. Either one of those yeah. would be fine. Yeah, like it's not. Yeah. I don't know. They they fit the check boxes, but at the same time, just get your Achilles better. You yeah, know, like it. and it Load sounds like you're making some strides towards that, but yeah. Honestly, like if you take care of your body, your body will take care of you at the end of the day. And in that situation, let's say you do all the right things and then that's happening and you find that what you're looking for isn't there, like send in another mailbag question, I'll be happy to answer it. But I think for right now, the clinician side of me is telling me, just get that calf, get that Achilles, get that lower leg, the whole leg, you know, just better. Yeah. I, uh, Fine, I'm going to give the answer. So I actually just finished analyzing my data and I'm writing stuff up right now. Um, so yes, treat the Achilles. Don't, Don't release forget. anything that you're not supposed to release before it's, it's published. It's my information. I know it's it my is, information. I can do whatever what I want with it. All right. Don't forget about your hips. All I'll say is don't forget about your hip strength. That was That's one of the most interesting things I'm seeing from the results. So yes, treat your Achilles tendon. Don't forget about your hip though. I agree. Hold All on. right. Yep. So not me, Matt, but different Matt asks, I recently saw a doctor because of the numbness tingling in my foot as a result of a marathon. I wore complicated shoes for the race, which, yes, by the way, increase the amount of stress through the forefoot if, if it's too stiff for you. Um, doesn't mean it's not a good. Just that increased stiffness. He said that the condition was likely intertarsal metas, uh, inter, intermetatarsal bursitis and not a neuroma. 
I don't know how you differentiate. It's very difficult to differentially diagnose those, by the way, but that's unless you have a diagnostic ultrasound. Um, aside from recommending that I stick to max cushion shoes, he also told me to try out a metatarsal pad. I would like to try to keep running, and I don't know how long this numbness will last. Should I be focusing on wide shoes in the max cushion category to give my forefoot more room, or are normal sh- width shoes okay? I've watched your bits on some nerve issues and learned about giving the nerve space, but I don't know if bursitis falls into the same category. So we talked about this a little bit before. So if this is truly a bursitis, and by the way, the inner metatarsal bursa, generally when they get irritated, very rarely is it just them. It's usually kind of everything. It's usually a little neuroma because if you're getting numbness, it's because of nerve compression. So the bursa can swell and put pressure on the nerves and the nerves can grow out. So it's, it's called a like bursal neuromal complex. I'm messing that up, but it's basically everything combined there. Bursas get irritated with a couple things. They can get irritated because they're fluid filled sacs that are meant to provide a little space, but also reduce friction. Excessive friction can cause, can irritate them and cause them to get inflamed. And there's not a lot of space between those metatarsal bones in your foot, but also compression can cause them. It can cause them to get irritated. What they don't tell you is that also excessive tensile stretch can also be irritating, which can be really confusing if people are going, hey, I'm super spreading my toes out and it still bothers me because there is kind of a middle position that you're looking for. You're not looking to get into the extreme. You're looking to figure out what works well for you. So this is a little bit confusing because if you add a metatarsal pad in there and the issue isn't because your met, your your metatarsals have collapsed, you actually might have more pain. I'm not saying the metatarsal pad will cause you pain. I'm saying some people get it because you're actually lifting things up and you might get a little bit more friction with that. So honestly – compression. <laughs> Or compression. You have to see which one of these actually helps because we haven't evaluated you. And that's part of our thing is we'll take you through tests that basically go, hey, if I lift your – if I create a metatarsal lift for you artificially, what happens to your symptoms? If I spread your toes out, what happens to your symptoms? That's part of our evaluation. So we don't know that at the moment. So our biggest suggestion is you're going to have to try and see what makes you feel better. You're going to have to try a metatarsal pad. And the nice thing is you don't have to get an orthotic specific to this. They sell these – um, and I have a bunch of these things that I always buy on eBay cause you can do all kinds of fun things with these, but yeah, you can buy metatarsal pads for a couple bucks and put them in your shoe and see how you feel. If it alleviates your symptoms, that might be great. If it doesn't, that's probably not what you should do. If you find that having a little bit more width helps, then yeah, maybe doing some gentle toe spreading and having a wider forefoot shoe. You know, we, you like the carbon plated shoes. You might do really well with something like, again, the Spectre, which has wider forefoot, but might be able to do that. You know, I, I really want to suggest the ultra vanish carbon, but the durability has been terrible on that <laughs> shoe. Like, it's a great shoe. It's still faster. That might be an option. The Vanish Tempo also might be a great option. There are some faster shoes out there that have wider toe boxes that you still might be able to use. And yes, a lot of them are, are higher cushion. The Cyclone Tone 2 isn't going to be, but you just have to see what works, to be honest. So I'd say kind of going, try a metal tarsal pad. Does that work? If not, don't worry about it. Try a wider shoe, a Topo or an Ultra. If it feels better and it's you try one of the more cushioned ones, yeah, it might be good. Can you still run through this? If your symptoms aren't so severe and if running isn't making it worse with the add-ons, then yes. But if running is making your symptoms worse, then you might have to rethink this and you might need to do some cross-training for a little bit until the tissue calms down. So... 
I know you don't like this, and I'm trying not to say the phrase, it depends, but it's, we really need, the, I'm going to say this instead. We need more information. You're going to have to test a couple How of things How did I know out. that's what you were going to say? Yeah. <laughs> so you have options. But it might do this. It might Specifically, not. we need more information. That was literally We, need, we do. We do. It's not – it depends as we need more information. Normal shoes might be OK if the issue is really the, the, the collapsed transverse arch, which is what the metatarsal lifts help with. If that's the problem, normal width might be OK and a metatarsal pad might be OK. If that's not the primary reason that's driving this, then you might need a shoe with the wider forefoot. And we've talked about those and there's some great options in that category out there. Um, I, I really loving, by the way, the Olymp- the ultra Olympus two has been like my go-to watch. Oh man. I'm yeah. That's loving. a solid shoe. It's yeah. a solid, but not for racing, but it's been a solid, like easy day shoe, like walking and standing shoe, but I'll stop talking. Cause I think David has something better to contribute. Dude. I don't know if I do. I don't know if I could say that better than you said it. Right. I mean, like when I look at this, it, you almost have to play Goldilocks and the three bears here because right. we, we did talk about this a little bit off air before we came on. And as organic as we try to make this podcast be, when we have mailbags and some of these more complex questions like this, it is good to read over it a little bit so that we have some yeah. time to think about it. And we still it. have to process it during And during we still the, have to process episode. it, right? Like this isn't exactly yeah. like the easiest question on the planet. But you're right. Like we had talked about this before. Like when we take a look at a bursa, and assuming this is truly the bursa that's irritated, it's going to get irritated on both extremes. And that was the thing that I was thinking about. I was like, well, let's say you widen the forefoot. Let's say you do all these things to give it space. There's a chance that makes it worse, right? Like there's more, there's more splay, there's more room. And if it's getting elongated and that type of force, that, that pulling on the inside of those joints, that toe splay, like, that might not feel good. That might actually make it worse. On the flip side, that could make it a lot better if it's not responding well to compressive forces. But you could also make the argument that compressive forces also feels like it holds it, there's a little bit less movement, whatever. Right. Like, And if that joint gets a little bit less irritated by that, by a, a construction that does that, by all means do it, Right. And the tricky part is there's numbness, right? Like, so that nerve is clearly getting ticked off by something. And it's just so hard to give a concrete answer on that. Because like you said, I, like, again, I don't think I could have said it better myself. But, like, usually if one of those things is ticked off, there's other things ticked off. It's very rarely that these things act in isolation. There's a lot going on down there. This is something off topic that I've had to really try to teach students is because it's very easy early on when you're just getting into this stuff to go, oh, it's only one thing. And usually it's a couple things and being able to understand and go, hey, how do I'm not expecting our listeners to do this, but like as clinicians going, okay, this is how this tissue presents. This is how this tissue presents. And sometimes they kind of intermix and going, it is totally possible. There's a couple things. So at the end of the day, that's when you go on to go, hey, I'm going to do what's called a diagnostic intervention is I'm going to try something and see, does it alleviate symptoms, right? So try a metatarsal pad. Is it alleviate symptoms? It feels better. We're good. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Right. You know, do you, you can worry about the mechanism that yes, it's created a little bit more stability for you. It actually in some ways can create a little bit more compression and friction, but yeah, it stabilizes things. Great. That makes you feel better. Don't worry about the shoe. Okay. If you find that doesn't help and you actually find that width helps you, you might need a wider shoe. That's it. You might find that you need both, right? That that tells you that there's multiple tissues going on. You need both space and a little bit more structure there. Right. And that also gets right. to a bigger question, right? Like what, 
if it's truly intermetatarsal bursitis, what's causing the bursitis? Because the bursitis isn't just going to be there by... Right. It's not there's, just going to exist. It's like it's not kind of, something's just irritating it. Yeah. Yeah. And bursal stuff isn't just mechanical, by the way. You, there are risk factors for inflammatory conditions. So it's not just, hey, biomechanical. There's also, how's your sleep? Are You're running a marathon, right? So you're running racing, running a marathon, right? Yeah, so or systemic that's things, an enhanced, like if you have an inham- inherently or... inflammatory. So we're not trying to freak yeah. you out, but just going, We've just done this long enough to know, hey, what, what's the biggest factor here? And if you could knock that out, great. So if nothing responds, it might be something more inflammatory and you don't even have to worry about the shoe. You just need to go get make sure your health's in check and get some good sleep, eat really, really well, and make sure you've got all the bases covered. So yeah, it's a process and you'll get through it, promise. All right. Do we have time for one more question? What do you think? Uh, up to you, man. I think we're right around the hour mark. Uh, that's just me talking here. Let me see. Oh, dude, we're at one hour and 26 we're seconds. We're exactly at one hour. So that's on you. We're going to do one last one because for right. Ernesto. So Ernesto <laughs> sends us a marathon question. And nurse, Ernesto, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit because you gave us some great information. You gave us a lot of information. That is and uh, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. So it says, big fan of your work. Regularly consult your shoe reviews and YouTube reviews. Thank you. I'm glad somebody appreciate those. Um, 40-year-old amateur runner who's fallen in love with the sport over the last uh, one or two years. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so running a couple different shoes, Soccer Endorphin Speed 3 for a marathon, Endorphin Pro 3, and then the Triumph 21 recently when, when time wasn't an issue. Had some shin pain about a year ago. Um, was told they needed to get close to orthotics. Didn't use them. Actually got the Soccer Guide 15. And then went to a different PT and it, everything's been great. Seven to eight months later, was ramping up for another marathon and got some posterior tibial pain and insertional Achilles issues. It was, it's was it been a persistent issue and sometimes it's on the left, but it's more consistently on the right. By the way, tendinopathies usually are bilateral. You just sometimes feel one more than the other. It's very normal for you to have no symptoms with a tendinopathy because they don't always – aren't always painful um actually ran chicago with achilles tendon pain the entire length of the race so they're of course classic runner despite having pain they are signed up for three marathons next year mount charleston which is the primary race and also looking to qualify for boston berlin okay this is four and then oh wait and, right, and then new york city got it trying so, to qualify for boston so they're not looking at it, boston that year they're they're trying to qualify for boston that year so there's so, three Got it. So they're shopping for a new racing shoe and love to hear your advice. I'm very confused. I really enjoy the Socket Endorphin Pro 3, but wanted something probably a little bit more responsive and am really concerned about my A race, the Mount Charleston, which has a massive elevation drop pretty much the whole race. I'm looking at the Endorphin Elite, the Vaporfly 3, the Adidas Adi Zero, the Adios Pro 3, or the Rocket X2. So the concerns are for the Elite, says I've heard they're for advanced runners with very good running mechanics. The Vaporfly, I've read from you, is very unstable, which is not a great situation given the history. Audios Pro 3, slightly lower drop, seems like it might help for the downhill race and seems like a lot more responsive and firm compared to the Endorphin Pro what's 3. The, what's the drop on the Audios Pro 3? It's six millimeter drop. Oh. And then the Rocket X2, which is lower drop, seems much more that. stable, but feels quite stiff. Not sure if that may be an issue for over a three-hour race. So I'm going to throw this at you, David, because you are the marathon aficionado right now. So what do you think? Dude, I'm running a track options? season. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great question. You know, when I take a look at this, I think of a couple things. 26 miles is a long way to run. 26 miles downhill is a very long way to run. So you're coming off of Mount Charleston. I haven't been there. 
I'm assuming mountain roads. I grew up by Big Bear. I know what those mountain roads are windy. You got a lot of downhill coming. Uh, you never know what the conditions are going to be like on a mountain, whether there's like rain or the road's a little slick or it's icy. I don't know what time of year this race actually is. Revel Mount Charleston. I'm looking. It's April 6th. It is a, it is a road race. So you, you don't have, have to the worry chance. about terrain. Yeah, you have yeah. the chance for weather. So like... What? It's April in Las Vegas, so is that where Charleston is? Yeah, that's no where the kidding. Mount Charleston. I've heard of Charleston. Races. I didn't that's actually where, know that's yeah. where it was. Okay, jeez, it five thousand one hundred feet elevation. That's drop. a lot. Oh my, oh my god, gosh, <laughs> oh, that's oh, a lot. I would not want to do that. Okay, oh. uh, don't Dude, let our reactions. Don't, don't. You want to do it? Go do it. I don't like down. This is just a great time. It'll be amazing. You'll have a lot of great views. Enjoy the process. With that said, everybody everybody loves CIM. I've struggled at CIM every year because it's downhill. (laughs) I prefer a flat or give me an uphill course. I'll be fine. But anyway, Uh, sorry, David. No, but like all all seriousness. So you have the chance for weather given the time of year. You have a lot of drop. I'm assuming you got some switchbacks in there based on mountain roads. You're going to want security. No, just, I, honestly, just normal roads. Yeah. Like, I don't think responsiveness in any way is what you should be looking at here. Um, either way, all those shoes are responsive. They all have good foams. So regardless of responsiveness, I don't know if that's really on the table here. What I would look at is more the stability side of things and what's comfortable on your foot. And I didn't realize the Audios Pro 3 was at 6, so they changed that. Because the 2 was like 9.5, right? Yeah, it, and then now it's lower. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, I mean, honestly, like these shoes are beveled out. They have these wide bases. They have decent traction for the most part. Like when I look at what could be in front of you, I don't know if I would choose the Endorphin Elite or the Audios Pro 3. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And the and one of them is traction, the chance for weather, slick conditions. They might slide out on you a little bit if you're turning a lot. The other one is with how sharp those toe springs are. If you're going down that much downhill, you're going to want to stop yourself. I don't know if you want to have something that rockered up front on you. Like I think you might feel like you're falling forward a little too much. And I think that rocker profile out of what you've given us on the rocket x2 is probably the most balanced it's a little bit lower to the ground it has better traction like out of what i'm hearing i probably would choose the rocket x2 out of this lineup and even though it's a little bit lower i mean we're talking it's a full length p-backs it's what is it 35 34 millimeters give or take uh either way it's plenty of foam it doesn't need to be 40 you know, and if anything, it might even be more beneficial if it's not 40, if you have that much decline. Uh, it is 36.31. 36.31. Yeah. So honestly, I out of that lineup, I probably would choose the Rocket X2 more from a security standpoint. Um, that's a long way to go, and that's a lot of downhill. So take care of you first would be my biggest recommendation there. I would shoe is going to come second. What is going to be the thing that's going to get you through 26 with that much downhill and potential turns the most comfortable? And I honestly don't even know if you necessarily need a super shoe. I mean, that's, I mean, there's so many other things we could bring up, but I could think of like an Adidas Boston or something like that. That could be just fine on that course. 
I I agree with you for the most part. I definitely think, by the way, their concerns about the vapor fly that shoes out. Oh my bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't yeah, even address yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't okay. address it yeah. because I didn't even think about it. It was like, yeah, you're like not even. I was part like, that's, of the that's off the table. That is yeah. the most unstable you have, of the bunch. If, it's a narrow last yeah, in the mid, but it, like, yeah. <laughs> There's no way this is a good issue, idea with an Achilles issue and some post-hip stuff. So that's the Vaporfly 3 is definitely out. And I think that's uh, a good idea. Um, the Endorphin Elite, I think it is definitely a more is an advanced shoe. I would say it's actually firmer than the Endorphin Pro 3, which is interesting for you to say that you want a more responsive shoe because I found that shoe insanely responsive, like almost like I didn't know how to control it at first and it was so bouncy. And I found the Endorphin Elite to actually be something that I could control a little bit better. It was just crazy fast and super fun. But again, got you know you got to learn to control it. So to me, the Endorphin Elite is out just because, like David said, the traction is something that I'm concerned about. So if there's weather, and I don't know Vegas super well and don't know Nevada very well, but if there is a chance for that with a downhill course, I probably want a little more traction. And the heel durability isn't the best. I mean, I know you've had we've we've had some early kind of wear in that area. So I would say elite and vapor flyer out unless you really trust the elite. Um, I'd be leaning more toward the rocket X two and the audios pro three. And so I like the audios pro three because it felt more comfortable for, for me over like, and I use that shoe for a lot of long runs. It doesn't feel as aggressive to be honest with you as some of the other shoes, but it does feel a little bit firmer. The foam, the, the light strike pro foam is a little firmer, but the rocket X two is the most stable of those ones. And we just talked about this. My only concern is it is like you said, very stable, but it feels a little stiff. If you can break that shoe in that stiffness eases off a little bit and it gets a little better. So it sounds like you need to wear that shoe a little bit more, but if that shoe is still still too stiff, that might be a concern because you're going to be landing and slapping on. If you're a heel strike, you're going to be slapping onto that forefoot for five for 26.2 miles over 5,000 feet. So you need to find out what's the most comfortable shoe for you to transition in. So I'm a little hesitant to suggest the Rocket X2 if you're still finding a little bit too stiff. If you can break it in and it feels natural and it feels good on your long runs and you're testing this stuff out, I would say Rocket X2 is the most stable of this. But Adios Pro 3 for me is a, is a secondary one because I found it inherently stable with the way the rods and the soul flare was set up. Um, and yeah, just the lower drop may or may not benefit you, but it's a fairly similar, if just a teeny bit higher than the Rocket X. So I'd say Rocket X or Audios Pro 3 and see which one is most comfortable for you over a couple runs and if the Rocket X breaks in. If not, I think Audios Pro 3 might actually be a fairly good option for that. One thing to just meet in the middle there, the Takumi Sen wouldn't be off the table entirely either. Ooh, I don't know if I would, I would not do a 5,000 foot downhill marathon in the Takumi Sen. I don't know, man. It's Personally. Got- it's only a tiny bit less than the Rocket X. <laughs> yeah, but those phones feel totally different. I would not. I mean, a lot of people can. I would not take this Takumi Sen for a marathon course I don't know. It's course flexible. Anymore. It has rigidity, and it's got good traction, and Light Strike Pro is pretty soft. Oh, so I don't know. I, I feel like. I would say no because. It's more the, of a wild card sh- choice. I'll be honest. No, I would not do that because it's. It, there's no, like, it's not stable or stable neutral. It's going to throw. The way the shoe's set up is <laughs> I that I would choose the Rocket X2 over it. I'm just thinking of other shoes. I would. I would not do the Takumi Sen. I would not do that. It's a good shoe, but not. I don't think it. What's the most incorrect shoe we can suggest? The uh, most incorrect? I'm just, uh, I'm just kidding. Oh, you know what? The, uh, the Cloud uh, Echo 
pretty narrow. Oh, yeah, that would, don't do that. Yeah. Sharp toe Sorry. spring, not great. Now we're just traffic. crapping on. We I made fun no, of Brooks. I like which the Cloud Mecco. Like what? That's a nice shoe, but not for that it just course. Fits long, not for that course. Yeah, you would rip the outsole. Off. I would rip the outsole off at like half yeah. before I was finished with the course. It's not knocking on it. It's just a situation dependent decision. So I would suggest Audios Pro Theory Rocket X and see if those things break in. But probably we not appreciate the Under Armour Velocity Elite. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to finally wrap this up after we went almost 12 minutes over. Over. We appreciate you uh, listening to us as we think through this stuff and occasionally make fun of people and make fun of companies, which is just kind of who we are. But we still love all the companies, even if they don't love us. It's fine. But we appreciate you listening as always. And we got going to have some really great content. I'm ex- really excited for what 2024 is going to bring. We're going to have great reviews, some great shoes, and some great guides that are coming out that I'm hoping that you all appreciate because we're putting a lot of effort into stuff. As always, we hope you stay as curious as we do in what we're putting on our feet. Stay tuned for more. We'll be back very soon. 